Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. No greater faction than the action movie scene. Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. Your satisfaction, action on the silver screen. Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Action Addict Podcast, and I'm your host, Scott Wiley. And today we're going to be talking about the Batman. Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson, you know it, possibly love it, possibly don't. It's certainly one of those films that seems to have had a Marmite effect on people. You either love it or you hate it. I am definitely in the camp of I absolutely loved it when I first saw it. And I have brought on Andy Gorham to chat with me and have a bit of a breakdown of the character, breakdown of the film, and we're just going to chat about the Batman in general. If you listened to last week's episode, then you'll have heard me say that this was originally going to be a bonus episode, which is one of the reasons why we just kind of chat about Batman in his previous incarnations for a bit at the beginning. So, yeah. It's not a case of, uh, I'm going to be changing the format and including more stuff. It was just that this one wasn't originally going to be a main episode, but in all honesty, the more we were talking, the more it was like, well, actually, this does kind of just feel like a main episode, just with a bit of extra stuff at the beginning, where we're just talking about other stuff. So, why not? As a result of which, this episode is kind of jumping the queue, as, like I say, originally it was going to be a bonus episode, so... You'll hear Andy today, and then Andy will be back if you're a regular listener in a few weeks, but he actually recorded that one first, so yeah. Uh, When we get to that episode, you might hear us mention the Batman, but we're talking about a conversation previously, so. The concept of time is a weird and wonderful thing. At the time you're listening to this, I will actually not be at home, I will be visiting family, so... I'm trying to actually get this recorded relatively quickly so that I can get this edited. So I'm going to throw you over to myself in the past so you can enjoy the chat. And I'll see you all for the outro. Take care of yourselves, guys, and I will see you very soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And today we're going to be talking about the Batman and I am joined once again by Andy Gorham, and he's coming back for the first time since he talked about writing wrongs, unlike what he might think. Hi, Andy. Hi, Scott. How are you today? I'm doing good. <laughs> so to clarify, uh, Andy's actually been back to talk about a different film, but this film, this episode is going to come out before that one. So yeah, you, you, there's going to be some narrative dissonance there. Deal with it. Moving on. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. It's Friday. We're talking about the Batman. I couldn't be I couldn't be happier. Excellent. Now, I think we said this on a previous episode, but I can no longer remember if that's going to be the next episode or it was the first episode. <laughs> so for recap purposes, it would be an accurate statement to say, God, you can tell I've been following a certain trial. I'm speaking like a lawyer. Would it be oh fair to God. say that you're a DC? <laughs> 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 I'm glad that one of us is following that ridiculous trial. <laughs> Objection, hearsay. I, I, anyway, um, would it be fair to say that you're a DC fan? Oh, it's very fair. I would say I am a huge DC fan. Would you uh, care to tell the audience some history with your relationship with Detective Comics? Detective Comics, sure. Um, now, 
for the the record, I'm a huge comic book fan in general. Marvel, DC, indies, all that stuff. But DC characters uh, just stood out to me early on. And I think whatever you kind of gravitate to early, you kind of stick with more or, you know, the stuff that kind of grips you. And I don't know, Batman was awesome. Robin was really my way in when I was younger. Um, you know, Robin was kind of the it character because I've and I've heard other writers and people that have written Batman say that that's how you get the younger crowd is because they respond to Robin because they can picture themselves as this young kid dressed up fighting, you know, fighting crime alongside this super awesome hero. And that's what kind of gets the younger kids in because they can't relate to a uh, 20 or 30 year old Batman. So it, it, if I can think back, it had to have been Robin is what caught my attention when I was younger. And then from that point on, I followed DC still to this day. I read monthly uh, or uh, weekly, I should say. So yeah, huge DC fan. Nice. Given that we are talking about the Batman, I am curious, other than Batman, do you have a, other favorite DC heroes? Because I think everybody just says Batman, but there's oh, so many others out there's there. There's so many. There's so many. Um, Batman is not my actual favorite character, though. Nightwing is the greatest character in all of comic bookdom. So I will put that out there and I will argue. Actually, I don't have to argue because it's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, man. But. I will say, yeah, he is my favorite character. For some reason, I gravitate to the characters that start off as sidekicks and then grow up and then kind of become their own thing, like Bucky and uh, uh, Winter Soldier. That's my favorite Marvel character. And all my friends laugh. Yeah, all my friends laugh at me because they're like, let me guess, Nightwing this, Nightwing that. I'm like, yes, sir. So, yeah, he's been my favorite character for as long as I can remember. Um, and so, yeah, so I uh, love Nightwing, um, Hal Jordan and John Stewart are probably tied. I like them both for different reasons equally. And I sometimes like reading them better than Batman at times, depending on how Batman's being written or what he's yeah. doing. Um, yeah, there's just, there's tons of them. I mean, oh yeah, you don't have to give me an exhaustive yeah, list. I just, I won't. I, I always find it's, it, and this sounds stupid, but sometimes when people talk about DC comics, people's brains just go to talking about Batman and that's right. not that's not entirely their fault because I remember a long time ago uh someone was like I don't understand and you might argue with this sentence but let me finish for this purpose of the story I don't understand why Spider-Man and Marvel in general seem to be more popular than say Batman or the DC universe and uh I remember because I thought the same thing but somebody else beat me to it and was like well here's a you'll you'll get this so don't actually answer but do this for me then list dc villains not heroes villains and they did but they were all batman or they were the two from superman that everybody knows <laughs> no one could name a single villain that wasn't from batman's road gallery okay now do the same for marvel and they ran out of answers and it was from all over the place and that was pre-mcu and, he, and I think that is one of the main reasons why people perceive Marvel to be more popular is because Batman and Superman are so incredibly ingrained into people's minds. If you're not one of those two for the general mainstream audience, who are they? You know, it's like it, they, they just can't think of them in the same league, uh, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are definitely right. And. 
the fact that Marvel has a higher market share every month. So it's, it, you know, the proof is in the pudding if you look at just numbers. Um, but yeah, you are correct. But I would wager that uh, more people, like when you just mentioned comic books to them, DC jumps out because people will across the world will recognize Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. Spider-Man's up there too. Don't get me wrong. Like people know those, but for some reason, the Holy Trinity of DC just seems to, I think that's why worldwide recognition, that Superman logo and Batman, you you, you don't have to translate those into other languages for people to wear the no. shirts or wear stuff like that. And it's very iconic. So, um, but I would say that Spider-Man and yes, uh, Marvel's villain roster is so much more depth when you don't read the, the, the books monthly from DC like I do. Like when you were saying that in my head, I'm going, you know, Sinestro, all these other characters. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, sure. I know a bunch of them. Deathstroke, yeah. Batman, but actually started off as a Nightwing villain versus a Batman villain, but he's kind of been taken over, which is uh, an irritating thing along, along some of our... Did Deathstroke start as a Batman villain? This is a question. I'm not trying to correct you. Or did he start in Teen Titans? He started in Teen, uh, teen, teen uh, New Teen titans yeah yeah okay it's all right i thought for a a nightwing villain who was taken by certain writers and they wanted to use him in batman and i'm just sitting there on my monthly going no he's a dick grayson villain not a batman villain (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah exactly well unfortunately uh you kind of started me on a topic that i've i've long ranted on which is that they just do not ever let nightwing be cool in anything like even in his own books sometimes but the one thing that frustrates me to no end is in the amount of times he's been allowed to exist in an animated film, and he's almost always the punchline to a joke, he's not taken seriously, or the few times that he is, he gets utterly eviscerated by the villain because they use Nightwing as a way to show how strong the villain is so that Batman can come in and rem- and show how badass he is. He's he's ended up becoming the Vegeta of the Batman. He's just there to look cool and then get beaten so that Goku can come along and save the day. That is an excellent analogy and you are it pains me to say that you are correct because yes, there's been so many times watching the the various animated movies and Nightwing shows up and my fanboyism goes, "Yes," and then he gets beat up. I'm like, he did it again. But yep. if I may add to those people listening that the current run of Nightwing written by Tom Taylor, Nightwing has never been cooler. He's never been more popular. Everybody loves him. He, this guy gets it. He gets the core of it. And Nightwing is like the center of the DC universe in terms of awesome, just being an awesome person. So if you want that kind of Nightwing story, the current arc I think the first volume was called Leaping into the Light. Yes. Check the, check check that out because it's phenomenal. Yeah, I haven't actually read it yet. Again, it's just trying to find the time these days, but right. I saw it trending. Like I saw it was number one seller worldwide. I saw so many people saying this is the best the character's been for a long time, maybe ever. That's difficult for me because I watch the animated series. <laughs> they're, oh. they're kind of the gold standards for me of any version of them. But also... If you actually want to see Dick Grayson done really well in animation, and maybe you have seen it, um, but for those listening, Young Justice. Correct, yes. Uh, th- that, to me, is the only other version that actually nailed Dick Grayson as both Robin and later Nightwing. Even the few times when I thought they had gone wrong with him, 
it turned out that he was actually doing his Batman and was 20 moves ahead of everyone else. And I'm like, yes, that's how you do Nightwing. He is Batman, but without his flaws. That's Correct. that's that's what he was always supposed to be. You know, he's the yes. guy that learned from Bruce, but didn't take all of the mistakes Bruce did. Exactly. He's he's the one that can lead a team successfully. He's the one that can that people can come to to talk about problems because he's not as shelter or he doesn't have shields up like you know bruce does because bruce can't let anybody in even even dick and tim and damien and all those guys and and jason he can't seem to let him in to a certain point whereas dick is an open book yeah so you are correct and now that we've spent uh 10 minutes talking about nightwing (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so my personal history with batman and dc in general doesn't actually really uh, come from comic books as i said just then i was watching the animated series growing up i've watched pretty much all the animated series of batman yes including the adam west ones uh, over the years um some good well no they're, they're all good in their own way but they 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 aim for very different audiences i wouldn't necessarily say brave and the bold is going after the same audience as some of the animated films of the dcau for example but i think that that's the fun of batman is Although a lot of fans have their version of Batman, how they think Batman should be done, the reality is is that he can be done in almost any way and dropped into almost any scenario and still work, regardless of if he's wearing black cape or blue cape. Correct. Yep. Whether he's got the yellow oval or it's just a solid bat on his chest. Correct. Or a weird mechanical logo that is actually a batarang. Which I kind of dug. <laughs> <laughs> Just because we had we hadn't really seen that before. <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of sad though because again we're talking about the film now, but when he did eventually take it out, he doesn't really use it as a batarang. <laughs> yeah, no, I was a little disappointed. Plus, we only saw it once. I was like, "Come on, you're saving that till the end. Have him use it at a fight scene or something." <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so, but um. Yeah, no, it's funny because uh, just quickly before we move on with what you were saying about Superman and Batman, I mean, aside from the fact that they're both like over 80 years old at this point, which kind of gives them the advantage of being recognizable everywhere. Um, my favorite DC character isn't technically a DC character because uh, it's he is a DC character now, but he didn't used to be. He was Superman's rival. And by rival, I mean, he crushed him every week in sales and nearly caused DC to go under because he was so successful. And that would be Captain Marvel aka shazam yes (laughs) (laughs) he was my granddad's favorite superhero and uh yeah he used to tell me stories about him like he remembers when he read comics and i had no clue that this character still existed and then one day i remember finding said comic and obviously he appeared in the justice league cartoon which was a sequel to the batman the animated series and superman the animated series and that made my day and i was a fan ever since because he was basically superman but without the stupid weakness to green rocks Correct. Well, allow me to say that I am jealous that your grandpa read comic books, number one, and number two, shared stories with you because I was left on my own to find comic books. Thankfully, I had a, a cousin that was into him a little bit. He was way more Marvel because he was uh, X-Men and stuff like that. But um, so, yeah, so I was always the the one in my household wanting to go to the, you know, thankfully where my dad worked right down the road was this huge comic book shop. And I, you know, so Saturdays we'd go in and help him pick weeds in front of the his office i'm like why are we doing this but then i realized i could parlay that into going to the comic book shop so <laughs> ah. so well yeah 
No, I, I can remember, like, he used to talk about all sorts. Obviously, Batman and Superman were back when he was a kid, but there were tons of British ones as well that I won't even bother mentioning, but he would talk about, like, the spirit, Captain Marvel, and uh, all these big ones that don't really exist anymore, like the shadow, and obviously some of them got turned into radio plays, but he said, you know, um, it was such a different culture back then because obviously comics were well they were really like you read them and then you did whatever you want with them you ripped them up you screwed them up you traded them and he, he went in and, he, and said you know i can remember going into school on the playground and action comics comic would be worth x amount of money a dc comic would be worth this a marvel worth that but then a, like a whiz comic or a captain marvel comic would be worth the most because that was what every kid wanted to read because it was a kid that could transform into an adult who also was basically indestructible had the powers of gods what kid wouldn't want to be that hero and it's Correct. like yeah I, I i can see that <laughs> <laughs> makes sense to me too yeah <laughs> so yeah so um i think one of the first big comics uh, comic events going back to batman and my history with it was the breaking of the bat and uh, nightfall i was old enough to at least get my own allowance and i could go get my you know so I'm not going to say I didn't have a pull list, but it was one of those that I kept bugging my dad to go to the shop every month so I could pick up the next issue of, you know, Batman and follow the Nightfall, Night Quest and all that stuff. So um, so from then on, I was I was in. So there was nothing stopping me. But as much as I love the comic books, I think you're right. If, when I look at when I picture my quintessential Batman, it's Kevin Conroy's voice and that animated series style. So I, we are we are one in one in the same with that. Yeah, man, I think, to be honest, there's a lot of people that that applies to. I see so many people say, you know, when I read the comics, I hear Kevin Conroy's Batman or yep. uh, the other characters and, and their voices, respectively. I also think as well that that so much of the animated series became canon in DC Comics, like to the point that people don't even realize how different a lot of the villains were before yeah. the animated series. Because I think at this point, lots of people know that it created Harley Quinn. But I don't think people realize how much of the other villains they drastically changed, but became so good and popular that DC went, yeah, we're taking that. Mr. Freeze being the most obvious example with it. Very, yeah. his whole backstory basically was invented by the animated series that everyone now knows. Right. The Heart of Ice. Excellent. Excellent. Excellent episode. Yes. And, and, and uh, I also love the fact, and this is totally off topic, that his episode was called Heart of Ice. And then four years later on Batman Beyond, the episode where they brought Mr. Freeze back was called Fire and Ice. And it was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. some, someone knew what they were doing with those episode titles. Oh, yeah, somebody did. Yeah. Bruce Tim knows. Yeah. Bruce Tim and Paul, uh, Paul, Paul Dini knew what they were doing for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, that that fun rant about uh, comics and cartoons aside, we're here to talk about the Batman. So I was curious, before we start talking about today's film, I assume it's that you've seen all the other films. Yes, I was uh, opening weekend to see Batman 89. We were supposed to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. For some reason, that was sold out <laughs> because in, in our, our area. So my dad was like, I guess we'll see Batman. And secretly, I was like, yes. <laughs> and we went and saw Batman <laughs> instead. <laughs> see, I, I'm going to really annoy you now. 1989, I didn't exist. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I'm I'm getting used to being one of the olds on Twitter. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I did see the film uh, at some point on VHS oh, sure. uh, in the nineties. Um, I 
I have this vague memory because uh, I'm pretty sure the first Batman for us was rated 18. So I think it was one of those things where my dad was still happy for me to watch it, but it was like under certain uh, warnings <laughs> of, you know, there's there's some messed up stuff in this that you might not like. And I was mm-hmm. like, it's Batman. I'll be fine. And I was because I'd seen, mm-hmm. you know, I knew most of it. But yeah, I, th- I do remember that. Like uh, the first two Batman films have definitely got a lot more violence and adult content in them than perhaps people today might expect. Right. Or or people do they give it credit for because it's almost it seems like sometimes some people view batman 89 like kind of like the adam west batman <laughs> if you think about it people are that you know as soon as nolan came along which rightfully so changed the game in terms of comic book movies and dc movies but those movies are viewed sometimes as people go oh those are just childish i'm like well no they're not childish at all they're um, the first two are incredibly gothic. Like Gotham City has never looked cooler. The only way, well, the only, it has looked cooler, the animated series. But <laughs> other than that, <laughs> um, other than that, Gotham has never looked cooler. At kind of fifties deco with modern eighties sensibilities, it's just a cool, timeless look. Um, the only my only minor gripe with Batman eighty nine is that it's not. It's a Batman movie, but it's way more of a Joker movie than Batman. Like he's top billing. You can tell they wanted Jack in there. So they're like, you get to do whatever you want. All the coolest scenes go to you. And Batman gets some excellent scenes. But as a as a Batman fan, I'm like, it's a better when Batman's front and center versus the villains front and center. That's my only minor critique on the whole thing. Oh, wow. There's there's a few things I'm going to say back to that. So I need Please to try and that. remember. No, no, I need to try and remember this because the <laughs> The first one about people remembering it as cartoony, I definitely agree with you and that it's childish, but I also think some of that is because even though it's not the same directors, it's not the same actors, I think people, when you say the old Batman films, they think of Batman and Robin and Batman Returns, Correct. which I don't necessarily hate. In fact, Batman Returns, I am kind of a defender of, not so much Batman and Robin, but those first two Michael Keaton films are nothing like the other films sort of in the same universe but but not it's funny you say what you said about the joker though because i actually think that that is also kind of true of the dark knight uh the joker is very much front and center in that film too and i don't mind because i love the joker but i i do struggle when people say it's the greatest batman film ever made because i'm like well i wouldn't necessarily agree with that for a number of reasons but that is one of them that Heath Ledger is very much the main character, in my opinion. <laughs> but the other thing as well is that you were saying about um, Jack Nicholson stealing the scenes. It's interesting because so many people don't like Jack Nicholson's portrayal of the Joker. They say it's muted. But when I rewatched it last, I actually thought, A, he did really well. And B, he wasn't, he wasn't just going to be the same character that he played in The Shining because he already did that. So naturally, it wasn't going to be that dark and intense. And the Joker isn't that dark and intense. He can be, but it wouldn't make sense if he was like that all the time. And my actual favorite scene in the entire film is when the Joker comes in against Bruce and the name of the female character that escapes me. Um, Vicky Vale? That's it, Vicky Vale, thank you. And uh, starts threatening them. And then Michael Keaton's like, hey, I played a pretty crazy character in my last <laughs> film too called Beetlejuice. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Let's get nuts. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I would love to have seen that. Just 
Those oh. two trying to out-crazy each other. <laughs> Would have been phenomenal, wouldn't it, being just a fly on set that day? Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> it's not only that, but he's got the uh, the fire stick poker in his hand, and he's all reared back like, let's get his eyes are super buggy out. Yeah, it's, it's great. That's the one scene where Keaton outshines because he's given the, the, the chance to the rest of the movie. He's got to play Bruce Wayne, which I, I actually think he does an excellent job. And it's funny. It seems like that 89, the, the, the casting of Michael Keaton has carried on with every Batman new franchise. Anytime somebody gets cast as either Batman or one of the main villains, there's always going to be online outrage at one point because you know prior to batman he was mr mom and beetlejuice like you had said yep <laughs> oh no um it's funny because i actually tracked down well not tracked down but i saw someone put together a compilation of a news story from a big news company over in america basically showing people complaining about keaton this massive postal uh campaign to get him removed and like it had millions of signatures this is in a time before the internet so people actually had to write in with their signatures and post right. it and they interviewed some people and it was interesting because the people they interviewed who were so against him sounded so much like people that you get on youtube now that have a big following and break stuff down and i just thought everyone loves to say that this is a new phenomenon this was happening way back in the 80s the only difference is now is you hear it that's the, all that changed is now everybody can find it easily. Whereas before it would have been isolated and you wouldn't have heard it in your little corner of the world. Right. Anyway, so, that was a lot about 89. Um, that was a lot about 89. The, yeah. Uh, you actually brought up a, an excellent point. And it's almost like I had sent you notes that I had written down in my head about the Bale verse or uh, Nolan verse, I should say. But uh, Batman Begins is my favorite Batman movie. Because it is an actual Batman movie. Um, and I just I like the way it's it's filmed. I think it's Nolan stripped down because he he had a budget, but it wasn't as big as when they, you know, when they started making billions and they gave him unlimited funds to make these movies. And I just I like the the way that he builds builds Batman up from this, you know, from how he wants to travel the globe, which we had never really seen on film before. He was always just already Batman. And yeah, we got some, you know, flashbacks and stuff. And um, and Christian Bale's an am amazing actor, number one. But you surround him with equally talented actors and the Batman character gets to shine in every scene he's in. And and he plays a pretty excellent Bruce Wayne. Like, it's not my favorite Bruce Wayne. We'll get there. That's actually Affleck, which a lot of people will probably scoff at. But that's OK. <laughs> I think he's a phenomenal Bruce Bruce Wayne for his age. But uh um, but no, you're right. The Dark Knight is not a Batman movie. It is an excellent heist movie with masked characters, but it is not a Batman movie. <laughs> yeah, I really like The Dark Knight. Don't get me wrong. But uh, oh. if we're just talking pure Batman films, no, I completely agree with you. Batman Begins is. Dark Knight is my favorite of the three, but as time's gone on, I prefer rewatching Batman Begins when I want a Batman film, um, partly because. I actually really like Batman when he's fighting regular criminals. Like one of the things that happens with a lot of Batman stuff, interestingly, it hasn't happened with this new one yet, but I'm curious to see if it will, is right. the first film, crime syndicates and cartels and gangs, they're very powerful. They require a lot of brain power as well as muscle to overcome. 
And then the next film, a supervillain appears and suddenly the crime families might as well not exist anymore because <laughs> they're just useless. And that is another problem I have with The Dark Knight is, yes, I love the Joker, but he does kind of take out some of the other criminals, one played by Michael Jai White, very, very easily. And it's kind of like, really? That's these guys ran Gotham for like ever and they literally all got taken out in like a day, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It does seem like as soon as the big supervillain comes in, all the gangs are like, well, we can just chill out for a bit. We'll just hang back. And I'm like, no, the gangs would not give up their their territory that easy. Or there would be a lot more interplay of the gang, like the Joker having to deal with juggle both Batman and the gangs. That makes a lot more sense to me. Because the Joker is just mass chaos, especially Heath Ledger's version of it. Just pure pure chaos. There's no rhyme or reason to what he does. The other reason I like uh, Batman Begins is because it has the best Batman voice of Bale. Um, The Dark Knight is, I don't think anything needs to be said about how many people have taken the mick out of that version of the Batman's voice. And unfortunately, it's not that much better in Rises. But the problem with Rises is that I think people kind of forgave him because he wasn't the only actor that had a particularly (laughs) bad voice. And I will never, ever, ever forget being in the cinema watching The Dark Knight Rises because I think we had a particularly bad cinema viewing because we watched it a second time and it didn't seem anywhere near as bad. But the very first time we watched it, that scene where they're both on the bridge meeting each other for the first time, I'm going to reenact what it sounded like for us. It was versus and I swear to you that everyone was just looking at each other like, I don't know what's happening, but what drugs did I take before I came in here? <laughs> That's funny, too. Again, you are were our minds are melded because I had mentioned begins is the most subtle of the bail bat voices because it's more of a almost a wit, not a whisper, but he just doesn't really hide it as much and just kind of raspies it up a little bit. And then the dark night it's there again, it's been about, and then the dark night rises. My only thing I will say is I would forgive it even more. If in the dark night rises, when he makes the joke, when Catwoman vanishes and he turns around, there's no reason to say out loud when nobody's around. That's what that feels like. Like, no, it should have been just Bruce Wayne going, Oh, so that's what that feels like. I would have easily been like, all right, perfect. That makes more sense to me. Your voice is you're doing it to try to throw people off the scent that you're not Bruce Bruce Wayne. But when he turns around and that's what that feels like. I was like, oh, God, you lost. Me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like I said, as cool as Bane looks the second he talks, his cool factor is gone. <laughs> the, the, I slightly disagree, but I... The, the only I see no 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 there, there are some lines that he can pull off, but it, it is so difficult sometimes, especially when like being a comic book reader, you know what Bane is supposed to be like. I really right. can't stand that version of Bane because he is not. And and there's two different versions of Bane that are both bad in my opinion. There's the one from Batman and Robin where his mm-hmm. dialogue consists of going, <laughs> and then there's the 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 rises, which is it would be extremely painful. And uh, that version is definitely my preferred of the two, but considering cinematically, (laughs) yes, but there was no use of Venom and he's not portrayed as particularly intelligent. He's just a better fighter. And yes, he is a good fighter. He is the man that broke the bat, 
But the fact that they didn't show that the reason he was able to do that is because he can match Batman mentally really annoyed me. But of course, that leads into my other problem, which is that he's not actually the big villain of the film. They tried to make that Talia and that just didn't work for me on a number of levels. It didn't work for me as much either. I still forgive the movie because I I actually really I like Rises more than I did the more when I go back and re re rewatch them. You're right. The Dark Knight is so heavy that begins is a much easier rewatch. It's easier to, you know, it's, it just flows better. It's not as long. Again, I don't care about the length of movies. We'll get to that when we talk about the movie in general today. <laughs> eventually. But, uh, uh, yeah, eventually we'll get there. But, um, begin or, uh, begins is easier to palette. Rises kind of feels more begins ish where, cause it's, it is more of a Batman movie and Bane does take center stage for a, a lot of it. But, Ultimately, it boils down to Bruce Wayne overcoming all this stuff. And Rises does have my favorite scene in um, in all of the Nolan trilogy when he climbs out of the pit. I don't know why, but that scene gets me every time when he keeps trying to climb and keeps falling. And then he has to do it without the help of the rope. And then when yeah, he yeah. jumps and the music hits, perfect cinema, in my opinion. And then, he and then instant- of course, it goes down a little bit because he then shows up in Gotham yep. thousands oh. of miles later. But you, I don't care. You don't beat care. me to my joke. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, don't ruin this for me, Scott. I love this. No. <laughs> there is actually technically uh, and because we have kind of skipped over Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. And I don't think mm-hmm. anyone's going to be that fussed. But there is actually another cinema theatrically released film that we didn't actually mention. And that is Mask of the Phantasm, because that oh, did right. actually get released in cinemas. Correct. And that is one of the best Batman movies as well. Yes. yes. Sorry, I totally forgot about that. I was folk. Yeah. Excellent job calling that back, because number one, when I found out that Mark Hamill was the voice of Joker, I lost my mind because as so, a so lifelong Star Wars fan, I was like, you know, and when I'm in you, you mentioned there was no Internet. So no. if you didn't watch the credits, which I was a kid who just got home from school and was ready to watch this and then i think x-men was after it so i just switched channels really quick to get to, to um x-men so i was going back and forth and then when i find out i'm like wait mark hamill luke skywalker is joker i'm like impossible yep and i don't even my love think of that I, man has just grown even more since then i don't even think i knew up until i started re-watching them when they came out on dvd and it was literally just pot luck that we were going through the credits i like mean my dad and I noticed it say Mark Hamill, and I'm like, that can't be, what, what? And I rewound it, and I'm like, that does say Mark Hamill. And Dad's looking at me like, and? And I'm like, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and he's like, no. So then I had to go and find Star Wars. <laughs> I'm like, Mark Hamill. Yeah, that's the same person. And then, mm-hmm. like you say, eventually we got the internet and had it confirmed. But I've done that for so many people because... Uh... Scarecrow is Henry Pollock II? Hmm... Jeffrey Combs. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, sorry. It's because... Oh, stupid show. It's because of the difference between the Batman animated series and the new Batman animated series. Correct. Um, Yep. That aside, though, we also had John Glover as the Riddler, who at the time I was watching as Lionel Luther on Smallville, so that blew my mind. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like I said, the, the voice talent. Uh, anyway, we've gone mildly off topic there, but Mask of the Phantasm was great, which is where we were actually going. Yes, phenomenal. Phenomenal Batman movie. <sighs> and I think I, I'm right in saying uh, that that came out and it was like, for most people, it was the origin of the Joker for a while. 
because I don't think that most people knew any other other of the Batman 89 version. But, you know, right. it was one of those films that uh, decided we've we've done so much with the origin stories of all the other films, uh, sorry, of all the other series villains. Why don't we do our own spin on how this Joker came to be? Mm-hmm. And as he would later say in The Killing Joke, if he's going to have a past, it prefer it to be multiple choice. <laughs> <laughs> so we finished Christian Bale. And yep, uh, now we get to your favorite, apparently, Ben Affleck. My favorite, Bruce Wayne. Not my favorite, because I think he, he plays Bruce Wayne perfectly. Like, he plays Bruce Wayne like Tony Stark. Oh, okay. Of. In the way, like, the end of Batman versus Superman, when Clark's going, how'd you, how'd you get my mom's house back? And he just looks at him and goes, uh, Clark, I bought the bank. Like, that's Bruce Wayne. Like, he would do that kind of stuff to help his friends out and help help people. And we've never seen Bruce Wayne. The Bat- and also the whole Flash thing, when Flash gets in his car, and we're not even going to go down that that kid's crazy happenings lately. That's a different podcast all in general. But when he gets in and he just goes, kid, I'm rich. And he takes it. I'm like, yeah, that's Bruce Wayne. Like, he, well, well, especially also the at that fact age. That, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that that's in the Josh Whedon version of that particular film you're right i so think that is now now we're going down a real rabbit hole with that oh gosh you're right <laughs> it was it was de- it was de- uh delivered expertly by ben affleck <laughs> yeah no i i actually liked ben affleck um me too when they were when they announced him i will admit i was i i had the same immediate reaction as everybody else which was jesus christ now you're making me think of daredevil 2003 please stop but <laughs> i i also remember thinking but he did Daredevil and he's done so many other good things since then, but like he can clearly do it. He just was in a bad film. That's not his fault. Right. And the fight scene he has as Batman, uh, which was basically just a ripoff of the Arkham games, but I didn't mind that because it was good. Um, was like, yeah, I want a full film with this guy. And the fact that we didn't get that really makes me sad, but especially since it was supposed to be against Deathstroke, you know, that famous Batman villain that doesn't belong to anyone else. Right. Doesn't belong to anybody else. No other secondary character should claim ownership of Deathstroke. Correct. <laughs> Good. Glad we got that established. <laughs> yep. I'm glad we're on the same page. Uh, um, go on. Oh, I was going to say, uh, I think he has the coolest bat suit that looks the most comic accurate because it looks like it was ripped right out of Frank Miller's pages. And I love the way that that looks. I love the short ears. I love the thick neck. It just, it cuts a cool silhouette which is what yes. we ultimately guess what batman has to look cool as well as being cool <laughs> yeah no no that i agree with i think physically he he is one of the better looking batmans i do like the costume but you have actually inadvertently just walked into something that i had decided not to say but now you've just reminded me because it applies to, to batman v superman as well mm-hmm. dark knight rises and batman v superman both have a a complaint of mine which is that both films are desperately trying to be the dark knight returns but they refuse to commit and it really really winds me up because between them they've now made it impossible for someone to actually make a dark knight returns adaptation because anyone that tries general audiences are just going to either go well isn't that from the dark knight rises or well hang on we saw this in batman v superman and you know it's just completely screwed now forever because no one's ever going to be able to adapt that and it's one of the best batman stories thankfully there is a really good animated version of that story with peter weller as batman which is yes. not someone who i ever thought i would enjoy uh being that character but damn does he nail it not a million yet when i heard that i was like oh no murphy is gonna be bruce wayne i'm like i don't see it i don't hear it but you're right when it came out 
I immediately after the first sentences he uttered, I was like, okay, this is this is my elderly elderly Batman now who's retired but ready to come back and break criminals' ribs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so much of Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Go remember the subtitle. Um, oh yeah, got to. Was ripped straight from the Dark Knight. I mean, the lightning bolt jump, him coming back taking out the bad guys i mean they even do the thing where the police car chases him down and they're like you're in for a treat tonight kid and i'm like li- it's dialogue for dialogue it's, at this point you know stolen right from it lifted yeah yeah i mean i think don't they don't they even have them with the same kind of iconic look with the rifle and the little yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, leg strap to make it look almost just like the dark knight returns but yeah, because right. they just can't commit. They, <laughs> they, be... they put that in the trailer because they knew that people would be like, oh my God, it's the Dark Knight Returns. And it's like, no, it's not. No, it's... And obviously the bat suit and the whole fight with Superman is from the Dark Knight Returns. Yep. Although I so... think I actually prefer the fight that they had in the comic and the animated film because the one in the actual film, aside from the ridiculous ending that's been memed to death, I <sighs> it, it just, yeah, it's... It's not the same when it's it's just two CGI blobs facing off against each other. No, plus you had Frank uh, Frank Miller at the height of his kind of creative power drawing that, and it wasn't just Batman and Superman. You also had a uh, a Green Arrow who was upset at Superman for <laughs> for for maiming him. Yeah, you, <laughs> so it makes sense. Yeah, you you had both uh, a one armed Green Arrow, and obviously you had uh, Kelly Kelly's Robin. Who is an uns- uh, one of my favorite Robins, actually. She's really good. Like, for showing up in just a four-issue series, she's cemented herself as, like, a Robin. And people, you know, she's not canonically in the current runs, like, although I guess not? she can be. Well, I, I, I heard that she's somehow, like, in it now. I think not in anything that I'm reading in Batman-wise right now, but I think the fact that they have Crisis on Infinite Earths, she is canonically one of the Robins. Oh, and okay. I think they did, you know, something like that. I could be wrong because I'm not reading every single Batman book because unfortunately there are just way, way too many. And I have other things I have to spend money on family, you know, mortgage, all that stuff. <laughs> so curse this adult living curse responsibility. So I think that brings us to now. Yes, I think so. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we missed anybody out. Well, mm-hmm. uh, we missed somebody out, but he would get- well, no, technically he did have a film. Technically, there is the Batman film with Adam West. Oh, correct. Yes. Some yeah. days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Rid of bomb. Pow, bam, whap, smack. I think we've driven <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me you've seen the trailer that went around the internet. I think I might have sent it to you. And you, yeah, yeah, you, I did, didn't I? Yeah. When they, yeah, put him into the Batman trailer. The, yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Internet. You are the best and worst all at the same time. <laughs> yep. Uh, have you also seen, this is related to Batman, guys. I'm not going off topic. Return of the Cape Crusaders, the animated film that starred Adam West and uh, I want to say Burt oh. Reynolds, and that's completely uh, wrong. No, it's Burt Ward. You're close. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> I was like, yes. it's not Burt Reynolds. <laughs> yes, I have. No, and it's it's it captures that kind of zany 70, or 60s Batman perfectly. It does, but it, I also like the fact that it, like, it was a commentary about how Batman changed throughout the years, how superheroes have changed. And I loved hearing some of the darker dialogue come from Adam West Batman because he even quotes The Dark Knight Returns. Like, this, yes. uh, I'm the surgeon and this is my operating table coming out of 
old Adam West was yep. not something I was prepared for. I love that film. No, but it was but it was delivered excellently. I would have liked him to be the voice of old man Batman in the movie. I mean, I love Peter Weller, but, that's, but he could have done a great job too. See, but that's the thing. Like, I because uh, all right, rant rant time. Adam West is one of those actors, kind of a bit like William Shatner, in all honesty. But we're going to stick with Adam West, sure. where people take the mick out of his acting style from one thing he did and are like, oh yeah, that's his acting for everything he's ever done ever. And it's like, no, it's not. He played it that way deliberately. Listen to him in interviews, watch him in other things he did. Hell, watch him in other Batman things he did. Cause he is in the animated series. He's in Brave and the Bold. He's in, he makes cameos and guest stars and tons of stuff. And he very rarely, apart from the obvious, which is family guy, sounds like the way he did as adam west batman and yeah it just annoys me when like you said when people remember something for just one thing and that's it then they're never allowed to be any different and yeah i'd have loved to have heard his take on a more mature adam west in fact he was one of the people that they asked his opinion of when they cast michael keaton (laughs) and he even said like obviously the the natural choice he wished they picked was himself but Mm -hmm. He actually said, like, this will be completely different to the version that everybody knows of mine. And he even said, like, way back in 88, I think this was, it doesn't matter whether or not Michael Keaton is like me or like the character in the book, because he'll make it his own. I certainly did. I, our, our show is nothing like the books, you know, <laughs> and people loved it. Mm-hmm. And DC has that thing where the books kind of became when something gets popular, they the books kind of adapt what is popular. So for a while there, that's what Batman became. And then Neil, uh, you know, around the time Neil Adams started drawing it, it became a little more adult again because he he changed things up. He made his Batman look differently and they acted yeah. a little bit differently. But and that's one of the great things that you said earlier. I often find comic book movies and our genre free where they can be put in anything like you can like any sort of Marvel movie. It can be a heist movie. It can be an action movie. It can be a spy thriller. It can be this. Batman can be the same thing. And I love that about the, that, that character. And it's heck Nightwing can too, for a whole year and a half, Dick Grayson was a spy <laughs> that didn't have a costume or anything. And that's some yeah, of yeah. the f- most fun stories you can read for that character up until the current run. That was my favorite iteration because he was treated with respect and wasn't almost killed every other minute. And I'm off on my Nightwing rant again. I'm sorry. I'll move back on to Batman. <laughs> but no, I mean, you made, you, you've made an interesting point because another film that I do want to cover at some point, maybe it will end up being us doing it, is James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Hmm. And uh, n- not that we're going to go off on a rant about that, but the, the point is, is like you said, superhero films tend to have a formula that people follow, but comic book films, that's that's a that's not a genre that's just a medium anything can be a a comic book it it doesn't automatically mean superhero and so many people i see rally against the idea of comic book stuff and then all it takes is a few minutes to look at their favorite things and go you know pretty much all of that was adapted from a comic book right it just isn't a superhero comic and Suicide Squad was a great example of that when so many people said they didn't like it and they would list the reasons why. And you think it basically comes down to the fact that it wasn't a superhero film in inverted commas. It kind of was at the end, but that's that's besides the point. But Suicide Squad isn't a superhero story. It's a bunch of deniable assets sent in to do the things America doesn't want to admit 
that it still does and has a great cover story. If that was possible in real life, I'm just going to say it, you bet your ass governments would do that. <laughs> yes, of course they would. <laughs> but anyway, Suicide Squad, another time. Batman. Another time. <laughs> so now we arrive at today's Batman, who is the sparkling wonder from Twilight. Oh. <laughs> what did you think when he was first announced as Batman and Bruce Wayne? That he, well, my actual thoughts was hysterical laughter. But then I thought, I have actually seen him in other stuff, and I know he can act, which not everyone who was in Twilight can say that. Um, and I have enjoyed some of the other stuff that he's done. My main concern was that none of that stuff involved punching people in the face or being the type of person that I thought Bruce Wayne needed to be. But I, But also it was like, well... Bruce Wayne is supposed to be this rich trust fund kid that as Bruce Wayne, like you said, is very cocky, kind of a bit like Tony Stark. But again, depending on the version, it, it, his personality varies. But I thought he'll probably do that very well. And then ironically, the film came out and no, because there's basically no real Bruce Wayne in it. So it was like, oh, OK, we've we've kind of this, this is the Batman that I would imagine Jared Leto would be a good Joker too. Mm, yeah, two emo kids going at it in a back alley. <laughs> one of my one of my friends saw it and he he really liked it, but he's like, I couldn't get past Bruce Wayne's haircut. <laughs> oh yeah, that did. Too, all right, so um, I, I know we're going to hear your reactions first, but just because while well, I remember this, saying yeah. about the haircut, the first time he took his mask off in the film, and then Alfred comes in. And I was like, I was like, okay, I'm giving him a, a fair chance. I mean, we've got three hours with this guy, you know, but man, does he not come off great in the beginning? It's like, he looks like an, a goth emo kid. He's not really interacting how you would expect him to. And then when Alfred tells him stuff, he responds with the, like the most teenage fucking thing he could say of you're not my dad. And I'm like, Okay, so we're, this feels like I'm now just watching a Twilight film where the main character's cosplaying as Batman. You know, it was like, I'm not sure if that was deliberate or what, but... <laughs> it's possible. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I didn't... I think the older I get, and we've just, as, as we've established earlier, me, Mike, some of the other guys on Twitter were the, were the, the olds. Um, the older I get, the less critical of certain things I am and casting I think is one of them now because I'm literally I think back to you know Ledger getting cast and a lot of people were like I don't think it's going to be good and then he turns oh, out yes. to be a phenomenal actor and that's my mind immediately goes there and it's like remember you made fun of him that and it turned out you it bitch in the butt so in, why don't you fact, just wait and see it, sorry in, in fact no. it goes back further than that because in Batman Begins everybody everybody hated the idea of Michael Caine being Alfred oh. And now he's like the gold standard that everybody compares any Alfred to. And you think, yeah, that was very different to when he was announced. Like everybody made fun of that. Like, yeah, Alfred is supposed to be this posh upper class English person. And you want it to be the guy that blew the bloody doors off, you know? <laughs> and everybody has their Michael Caine impersonation. Yep. 
what good is doing push-ups if you can't lift a bloody log? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no, I personally agree with the masses that he was. He's he's my favorite Alfred. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Andy Circus could be a really good one as well. Like again, a lot of people weren't sure what to make of that casting, and I'm like, he's a good actor. You know, it's not his fault that everything he's been in is pretty much behind a CGI mocap suit. Right. And think of that. Even then, those characters are still more emotive than some live action characters. So it makes sense that he's just when you're that good of an actor to emote, you can pull it back a bit. And he's actually I was pleasantly surprised because it was one of those casting things. from. Oh, cool. We're going to have to see him in an actual, you know, role that he gets to bite into. And you're right. It's. I I equally like and hate the Bruce and Alfred scenes because you do get that teenage angst of you're like, you're not my dad. And then then even the whole, you know, coupling things when he goes, well, you're not a Wayne, are you? I'm like, why are you talking to the guy who's raised you like that? Like this, it came off a little, but I, I, and I think thankfully towards the end, it kind of reconciles, I think a little bit of that. So hopefully moving forward, we just have Alfred and Bruce with their, what we've come to know and expect from a father figure and a, you know, surrogate son who's, you know, who thanks this guy because it's the only family he's known since his world was turned upside down. Yes. So, R- remind me you said that when we get to the future, because I don't want to go spew- starting to talk about what's next when we haven't really right. even talked about, talk about, about what is. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, I have thoughts on that too. But no, too. I, I, I agree with you. The, um, the teenage angst aspect really fell out of place. I understood, like you say, by the end, and, I've, and when I rewatched the film, when it came out on streaming, I was like, I thought it would be less annoying because I knew where it was going. And actually it kind of made it more annoying because those first handful of scenes are really difficult to get through because there's no real justification for it. He's not a teenager. He's not still going through his rebellion phase. Alfred is the only person that's been with him since his parents died. Yes, I understand what they were trying to do, which is that Bruce is, you know, put his emotional shields up and he's built this wall. That's part of his character. But Alfred is usually the one person that is inside that wall. Um, And the fact that he was like, seemed to be putting him down and insulting him at every single opportunity. And it wasn't like, a childish insult like you say the wayne cufflinks one really stood out to me where it's like ha you're not a wayne and it's like well i've got more wayne in me than you do you bloody ingrate sort of (laughs) you know it it really felt like so out of place and Mm -hmm. it just made the 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 character of bruce feel so immature which didn't really mesh with everything else in the film Mm -hmm. because one of the things to rewind slightly that i really really liked is in that same scene, he's obviously reviewing the footage that he took from the contact lenses. And I loved that because oh. A, obviously straight out of the books, but B, I just thought that's such a clever way of doing it. Cause like when you see him walking around the crime scene, I knew he must be doing something because of how deliberate he was being. But the idea that he's recording everything 24 seven and then can review it, that's a lot better than keeping a journal. Way better. Yes. Which he and also goes, does. Yes. Oh, yes, correct. Yeah, he's got very seven-ish journals, too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but uh, no, that was one of the things I actually was pleasantly surprised about when seeing it was when he's wearing the cape and cowl, how emotive Pattinson was with the mask on and yeah. how much his eyes his eyes told. And uh, 
And yeah, when you go back and watch it, like I know the uh, some uh, criticisms are Batman takes forever to walk places and he walks really slowly. But when you think about it from what you just mentioned, yeah, he's walking slowly on purpose. He's his eyes are surveying the whole thing so he can go back and re- rewatch the footage and make sure he didn't miss anything. It, it makes more sense. But yes, he does walk purposely slow. And there are scenes where it's long, drawn out scenes of him walking. But guess what? When it looks that cool, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, Maybe I'm so, just a simple man. I see I see Batman walking and he looks cool. I'm good. <laughs> no, I mean, to be honest, the opening of the film, it made me smile because so much work is put in at that, at that opening moment. You get narration from Bruce, which I loved because it mm-hmm. instantly made me think of noir films. And it is a detective film at the end of the day. So that's a great thing to make you think of. But also... I'm so used to reading Batman's inner thoughts in a lot of the mediums other than films. He always has that component of his brain is his best weapon, but most of the films don't really convey that very well, if even at all. Um, And the way that they had him, you know, narrate and monologue at the beginning, and they showed that he's not really having the effect he wanted to or any, but everybody's terrified of the dark because the Batman is out there somewhere. And then obviously he does eventually reveal himself and beats the crap out of what I think are Joker goons, by the way, because mm-hmm. a lot of so people, too. a lot of people don't seem to be mentioning that when they're talking about this film. And uh, yeah, I just thought of all the Batman films, every good Batman has a great entrance. Michael Keaton has his I'm Batman with the guy on the roof. Christian Bale has the, the the upside down scene of him picking up the guy oh, behind you sort of thing right and here. <laughs> yeah and the and the others don't necessarily have ones that can equal it which i think is a shame but he has that great slow methodical walk out of the shadows and the fact that you can hear him coming is such a difference to how he normally is that it makes him stand out from all the different variations that we've mm-hmm. had yeah and, and they had four or five minutes of setup where you see the bat symbol shine up in the sky and all the different criminals see it and they look in the the shadowy corner and you hear something and they run away it's like no this is the kind of effect that he wants to have yeah and then you actually see what happens and then i love how the i am vengeance thing comes into play later how riddler and batman are two sides of a similar coin because Riddler's trying to do the same thing. He's he thinks he's he's vengeance. And then Batman sees what vengeance unhinged can be. And then it's like, oh, I, I need to be something more than just that. So there's a lot of storytelling going on in that that and, I really liked. And and I think for Batman, that's exactly where I want the storytelling to be. Yes, he often does say he's vengeance, but one of those lines that he always has to walk along even in versions of the character where yes he does kill and you know he's never he's not always been a character that doesn't kill despite what people think he always has to walk that tightrope of am i vengeance or am i justice and i think some storylines do that really really well and i love the idea that in this he thinks he's vengeance but that's actually not really working and that you need to do more than just be a guy that dresses up a bunch of people And we'll get to that at the end. But like you said, the way they set that up at the beginning and they show you this really vibrant comic book-esque looking Gotham, 
I was also very happy with because I hate it when, and I'm going to go back to the Nolan films, it clearly is just like a normal New York, San Francisco looking city, you know? Chicago, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this looks like a city that is of this world, but also not of this world at the same time. Yeah. And uh, in going with the casting, I thought that uh, Zoe, uh, Zoe Kravitz, she looks like a year one Catwoman perfectly another frank uh frank miller staple um she 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 was great i thought she pulled off cat i i really liked her catwoman she wasn't you know she was ex exactly how she's portrayed she's batman's equal in terms of confidence and just uh, being her catwoman self you know what i mean she's not like she didn't have to like batman didn't have to be you know like let her win so to speak, you know what I mean? They, they, oh, they were yeah, former... yeah. Sorry, I, I know, I know exactly what you mean now. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, it took me a long about ways to get there, but that's not to get that. Yeah, they they build her up without having to drag him down. Thank you. Yes, thank you. You said it so much more eloquently than I did. I wish I could take credit for that, but um, it, it's more because I've seen that particular criticism in a lot of other films where they hmm. fail at doing that. But no, I agree. I really like Zoe Kravitz in this film. I'll be honest, didn't know who she was before this film. I don't think I've seen her in anything else. Within 20 seconds of her walking into the screen, I wanted to see her in many other things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't think I'm alone in that. I, I really enjoyed her as Catwoman. I really wasn't sure what to make of her when she was cast, but the fact that I didn't know anything about her, and yes, I'm aware of who she is as in who she's the daughter of and the fact that she right. is fairly famous but i personally didn't know much about her mm -hmm. that work that helps as far as i'm concerned because i'm not going to have a preconceived notion of how she's going to be so i just went in completely blank uh, same right. with because i was really confused by this when they announced that colin farrell was going to be the penguin that was a shocker to me too and then you see the first images of him surface i was like that's not Colin Farrell. <laughs> no, exactly. But, but when you see his, when you, when they zoom in on, on his eyes and I'm like, Oh, now I can see it. But yeah, he's great. Uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Wright. I, I still think Gary Oldman is the quintessential Jim Gordon for me. Cause he looks the part as, as based on the, the comic books, but man, Jeffrey, Wright Just brought something cool to it. And I liked him and I like Bruce and Gordon working together. Like they're solving a crime together. We often see him doing that, but I love the, I, I love that they're basically partners. <laughs> they're, yeah. It's like a buddy yeah. cop. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. I agree with you. I really like Gary Oldman's Gordon. I think he's more traditional, but mm -hmm. I love this version of Gordon because he's so, you can tell he's kind of isolated from the rest of the GCPD. Right. Um, and that in turn means that even though he's higher ranking, he does all of his own groundwork he doesn't tend to just send other people to do it for him yes that does happen in the film because he is a detective he is higher ranking and he used to be partnered with the guy that was the commissioner at the start of the film but he does most of it himself and i think that character will probably stay that way even if slash when he becomes commissioner mm -hmm. because it's one of those things where i just can't see that guy sitting behind a desk and that to me was always gordon in a nutshell the versions where he doesn't really do anything really depress me. I am. I'm very curious as well, if they're going to introduce Harvey Bullock at some point, because I think that this world would suit that character really well. And uh, that would be a great way to go. 
is to give him an actual partner and then he can't work with Batman as much, you know? Mm-hmm. And not only that, but a partner who hates Batman because he's a vigilante, but also understands that because Bullock's still an honest cop, too. Yes. So he understands that Batman is helping, but he yeah. just hates the way he goes about doing it. So I, I would like to see that Gordon torn between those two polar opposites. Yes, that would be great. Yeah, I, I, I I'm going to say I'm a I personally am a big fan of Harvey Bullock, mostly because of the animated series, obviously. <laughs> right. But um, it really annoys me when other versions of that character, like in the Gotham series, in the Nolan films, he's always corrupt or crooked. And it's like, no, the point is, is that he's uncouth, breaks the rules, maybe a bit violent, maybe a bit too aggressive and probably wouldn't work in today's culture. But he gets the job done, but he never crosses the line and becomes corrupt. That's why Batman respects him. And lets him do his thing, even though, like you said, they don't really like each other. And he is like an honest cop, which in Gotham is real hard to come across. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that it plays with uh, stereotypes because you see just the the look of him and you're like, he's crooked. <laughs> but then you turn out, no, he's not. The guy who looks crooked is usually, you know, that's playing with our preconceived notions and stereo, you know, stereotypes. So I like when that's flipped upside down and Harvey Bullock is the perfect example of that. And one other thing I thought about with this, with this Batman, I like that Gordon, that the bat symbol is not on top of the Gotham police department. Like, yes, <laughs> it's, it's actually a building that's somewhere else and they have to go meet there together. I actually kind of like that. Cause I'm like, you don't always want Batman to, to show up at, Gotham PD, where everybody else is at, and you, they know you're up on the roof. So I kind of, well, I kind of well that the fact that in this version, obviously the the Gotham Police aren't exactly Batman's biggest fans. So True. having True. it on the roof probably wouldn't go down very well with that. Yeah, probably wouldn't. Yeah, probably wouldn't. So yeah. um, to save us, literally going through this scene by scene, what did you think of the story overall? And let's just talk about the story for a bit. Yeah, yeah, I thought story was story was good. Um, I liked the creepy Riddler because we haven't seen that before. We've seen the zany Riddler and Jim Carrey, and I'm glad we didn't get that again. Well, actually, oh. we actually we did get it again in Lex Luthor in Batman versus oh, Superman. Jesus, <laughs> don't give me that flashback. I'm sorry, I had to. <laughs> um, but no, I, I so I I liked the Riddler. I liked that he was. Uh, turns out he's an well, we're going to spoil it, of course. And most most people listening to this have probably seen it already. It did pretty well. Yeah. But I like that he's an orphan who was mad that Bruce Wayne didn't go through the same stuff he did and how Gotham City let him, not just him, but other orphans down. That was a that was a fun take on or not fun, but a, an interesting take on it that we haven't really got from the Riddler before. Um, I did think some of the the uh riddles were pretty easy like if i could figure them out i'm not the smartest knife in the box so the fact that i'm like the first the very first one i'm sitting there he goes i'm like oh he lies still and it took batman longer to figure it out i was like okay well batman's smarter than me should be (laughs) um minor minor you know critique there but i liked the story i liked uh just the corruption aspect of it because yeah there's really only a few good good cops like only a few and um, I like uh, the yeah, I just like that it was very Riddler versus Batman. They didn't 
they resisted the urge to bring in other villains and villain heavy it. And I'm thankful for that. We don't need that. Yeah. Honestly, they, we only need one, one villain in a movie moving forward. Really? We only need that. So Batman's villains are so cool. We don't need multiple ones. So, so you don't count Falcone, Penguin and Catwoman then? <laughs> uh, no, I'm actually not because Penguin, as much as I liked Colin Farrell in the role, you could take that out and you wouldn't lose a single thing from the actual story. Like you wouldn't, I mean, the only wow. thing you miss is you, 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 you miss the one where he finds out, you know, that, but that could have been done by Falcone or something like that, but they were more ancillary villains that weren't on Batman's radar, I guess is how I should word it. I'm with Whereas it. this was purely him trying to solve the Riddler case. We know there's other, there's other villains out there and they might pop up, but they weren't yeah. working with uh Riddler and they weren't teaming up. I don't I, 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 I don't need villain team ups. I've had it for a while. I'm good without it. Yeah. You mean you mean that uh, you were happy that Two-Face didn't show up to teach Riddler how to punch? Yes, I was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I there's will a say time though. and a place for that. And, I, and I, 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 I do like forever. There's a time and a place for it. But <laughs> yes, I, I for years had the song that Jim Carrey sings as the Riddler while he's taking up people's brains that burned into my head and it's like yeah i i, I kind of wanted a reference to the jim Kai riddler but i'm also kind of mm -hmm. glad we didn't get one that said i would love to have seen what jim Kai could have done with this version of the riddler as he is now because mm -hmm. when that guy wants to he can play such creepy terrifying characters that i'll bet money he could have easily played the riddler straight and been one of the most haunting villains ever right well i thought that dano did a a good job of doing that the the heavy the heavy breathing in the mask and i like how reeves showed a lot of the shots of his point of view looking through the goggles and stuff that was no, really no, interesting he, he yeah. did do a really good job it was just like you were saying about people only thinking of someone playing it one way like right. yes jim carrey is very good at playing wacky zany and obviously he's currently getting a lot of success doing it again as robotnik but right. uh, he's done a lot of serious films in between that don't get that much love and TV shows. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've seen it, uh, Kidding, where he plays the children's show presenter. He is uh, no, him. Okay, well, if you were to see like a trailer of it, he's this Mr. Rogers-esque character. Mm -hmm. But underneath, no, he's a ticking time bomb of violence and he is oh, no. unhinged. It is very creepy how it sneaks up on you. Okay. I say, oh, no, because that means I immediately have to add it to my watch list, which is ever growing and almost impossible to tackle at times. <laughs> I, I wouldn't worry too much because, unfortunately, it got canceled before it could properly finish. OK, so, yeah, watch it for the performances. But I don't remember that the story actually got properly finished. OK. All right. Well, thank you for that. That warning. Now that I know <laughs> that going in, I can just, you know, pick apart Carrie's performance and move on and not worry about not getting a resolution to the story. So. But yeah, um, I agree. Like the, uh, I'm, I'm really bad with the names. Uh, it's one of those things where I, I remember Zoe Kravitz and uh, I remember Colin Farrell and I rem and and even now I can't tell the name of the guy that plays Batman because my brain is just not in a in a name mode tonight. But I can see the faces. That doesn't help in a podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, no, I I really like the Riddler. I can't say I loved his costume, but I understood Ooh. why it was how it was like as yeah. the film went on that costume makes sense whereas in the beginning it kind of felt like it was trying to be edgy for the sake of being edgy which in fairness yeah. it was because that was the character's choice 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, once you actually realize what his point is and what his message is behind the riddles, it's like, oh, your costume makes sense now. So yeah, I, I did like it overall. But I think, you know, my partner, when we watched it, she described the film as a, as a very slow burn. And I, while I don't necessarily agree with that, I think the story itself has a slow burn and a lot of stuff. If you try and make sense of it from the word go, you're going to get frustrated. Just yes. go with it and it mm-hmm. will eventually make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As much, like I said, I'm, I might be the wrong critic to talk about this because I love seeing drawn out scenes of Batman looking cool and walking. And I like atmosphere. Um they could have shaved half an hour, 45 minutes off of that movie and still had an equally effective movie. So I, I can't, you know, I've heard people say that and I don't disagree with them, but I'm also, when I'm liking something, I don't care. Give me, you know, make it four hours. I don't care if I'm really liking it. I'm good with that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm the same. I don't care about watching longer movies. My attitude has always been as long as it makes sense, like obviously then make the film the length it needs to be in order to tell the story. And I say that, uh, I, I, and I know that this guy is very polarizing for some people, but I have yet to watch any version of a Zack Snyder film where the extended cut was the inferior one, you know? And there's a lot of filmmakers that that applies to, whether they call it a director's cut, an extended cut, you know, Blade Runner, and it's 20 different cuts that it has. It's pretty much always the longer one ends up being the one that I will buy and rewatch because that's the better version. And mm-hmm. yes, if I don't have four hours to sit there and watch a film, I probably, I, you know, I get that. Not everybody wants to do that, but you should have the option, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I was actually going to say that's one of the few, the Batman versus Superman director's cut is actually longer, but it it's a quicker watch because everything flows and makes more sense. <laughs> so yep. it's it, it's strange that I'm like this movie's half an hour longer than what I watched before and it flies by a lot better so um, and that was a little gripe I was going to get onto in terms of I'm really over every news article that gets posted on Twitter and social media about you know so and so is coming out the movie's two hours and 45 minutes long I'm like I don't give a shit how long the movie is like it's, <laughs> it seems like that's the big news thing ever since um, Endgame, and then like this, they're like, "This is three hours long." Guess what? We don't care. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, all you have to do is look at the length of my podcast episodes to know I don't care how long something is. No, nope. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, uh, the story. I really liked it. Um, I loved the riddles. Uh, I wasn't like you say. I I guessed all of them. Uh, except the one with bad Spanish, because obviously you were deliberately not supposed to get that one. Right. Um, Because that was the point. Obviously, people that uh, knew it was bad Spanish might have got it. Um, uh, My partner can speak Spanish and French, so she was kind of confused from the word go, but she didn't get it. But she just knew that that wasn't right, you know? Hmm. Like, uh, as Colin Farrell says later on, it's the worst Spanish I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, sticking specifically to the story, I loved how much it actually fits in outside of the Riddler story because his whole point was that the town was kind of built on lies and that what everybody takes to be truth isn't necessarily truth. And that, you know, the whole big reveal is that Falcone essentially ratted on uh, 
his main rival in order to take it over and in doing so put pretty much every powerful person in gotham where they are and so he ran gotham from behind the scenes and that was a cool story that also felt believable and real in inverted commas because it didn't involve somebody with superpowers it didn't involve a supervillain it just involved someone with a lot of money and armed thugs and you know he just was one of those people that had the willpower to do it but he had to keep it a secret because as would eventually happen if people found out that he used the police that his gang and his friends wouldn't take too kindly to that because that's one of the unspoken rules of crime is you're not a rat <laughs> <laughs> and i love that that way that they all just turned on him once that came out like you know he thought that he was going to be fine because you know he runs the organization and everyone else was like nope if you make it that far we're gonna kill you and i was like yeah i quite like that you know mm -hmm. yeah no he he was he, he played a really great really great role too i like the i like how he has history with uh with thomas wayne so therefore you know the the few bruce wayne scenes when he's out of his basement and he's actually in public um i like their little exchange and then i liked when he goes back to the the iceberg lounge and um later has that talk with um uh falcone about you know what his dad did and like falcone's just like lay you know laying it out on the line like your dad told me to kill this guy and i did and you shouldn't think anything of it because your dad you know because they were gonna he was trying to paint it that he was helping the waynes out and everything and i liked that he's telling his version of the truth and bruce has to find out what really happened but uh yeah no it was it was cool and it's nice like you said not to have a super villain who's at the the heart of all this stuff and it's just a gangster and that's yeah. what that's what that's what batman started off fighting batman should be should be fighting gangsters because the super villains aren't always th their plans take time to hatch so cr crime still happens when they're not active so batman still needs to be out there patrolling and doing things and i like that we saw that yeah and I also got to say, John Totoro did mm. an amazing job playing uh, Falcone because I'm so used, to, and I think a lot of people are so used to seeing him in comical roles now right. that, again, people forget he's a really good serious actor when he wants to be. And, you know, the, the scene in particular where he's uh, basically going to, but he's obviously stopped, strangle Catwoman or selena oh yeah you know that whole sequence where it's also then kind of just offhandedly remarked that he's the one that strangled her mother and yeah. you know cause so so many people that miss that like when i came out of the cinema i i went with some friends and i reckon two-thirds of them missed that completely because they were just so caught up in what was happening that that's just a throwaway line i mean even selena doesn't really seem to respond to that because it's just she's in the process of fighting for her life but mm -hmm. yeah i just love the way that they set all this stuff up that you could just call window dressing and actually know most of it was then called back towards the third act as nope this is not just a throwaway line there's actually going to be a, a little reward for those of you that are paying attention right mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like the way that was just hmm Yes, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Plays well for the uh, uh, visual podcast. Oh, wait, visual. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we, we both like the story. I like the ending. Just quickly, I also really like, and again, we'll talk more about this once we're done with the, the next couple of segments, but 
the overall message for me was that Batman, aka Bruce Wayne, needed to realize that just being Batman wasn't enough. And I feel like a lot of people have completely missed that because there are so many people that are complaining about the fact that he wasn't Bruce Wayne. And it's like, yep, yeah, but that was the point of the film. He now realizes that he has to be Bruce Wayne and has to carry on the legacy of the Waynes and try and rebuild it because of this version, you know. And so many people seem to completely have misunderstood that. Yes, no, I think we'll see in the future. I know we'll talk about that in a bit, but I think we'll see a more fully realized Bruce Wayne that's, uh, you know, that's being Bruce, using his, his family fortune to not only fight crime, as Batman, but also fight crime in other ways by helping to fund, you know, Gotham PD by helping Harvey Dent when he comes into the picture. Cause you know, Harvey Dent's got to show up. He's a classic Batman ally slash villain. So yeah. Um, and to be honest, I would quite like it if they just let Harvey Dent be Harvey Dent and don't immediately yep. rush or if ever make him two face because Agreed. I've seen two face several times and there are other Batman villains that, maybe have been on film but not very well but some have just never been on film you know mm -hmm. and it would just be nice to not immediately go back to the old favorites now there is a slight caveat with that which is that obviously another batman villain makes an appearance in this film right and i i know a lot of people are annoyed because they don't want another joker again after we've had the joker standalone film the jared leto joker and joker 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 and i understand that i do and to a degree i agree with you however i think asking for a batman franchise that doesn't have its own joker is like asking for a star wars film that doesn't have jedi mm -hmm. you know i know rogue one exists but you see what i'm trying to say here the two go hand in hand and i just don't think any batman filmmaker is going to ever be able to do that i think studios know that the joker brings money and they like money mm -hmm. plus guess what the joker's tied to batman like jedi are with uh with star wars so um you're right even though there's no jedi in rogue one there's still force sensitive characters who you know and the force is heavily in the yeah. forefront perhaps so, yeah. that would have been a better analogy i should have said the force not specifically jedi because i can already hear the counters to the argument in my own head we'll go with the but force <laughs> we've already we've we've already fixed it but yeah no so i was fine with it i was glad they didn't show him i'm glad he didn't like play a huge part yeah. i'm glad they actually cut the 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 scene that they filmed with him because i think it would have taken away from Riddler and you're right. Everybody would have just, there'd be too much back and forth and we don't need, we've had enough before Joker will show up. Like, I think we'll get to this later, but he should be like the final villain for the final movie when they wrap this universe up because Joker's kind of the be all end all Batman villain. So you don't want to start him early because then you have more films to go after he's gone. And then you, you know, and this Batman doesn't kill because you know, Riddler winds up in in prison in, you know, Arkham yeah. Asylum, which was which is cool. And I like they, they took that kind of from the animated series as well, that inside of Arkham, the criminals talk to each other and like hatch plans and like in their own yeah, yeah. unique way, which I kind of like that. Um, so, yeah. So. Um, but no, the so the tone, everything was great with that. I know 
Mikey was hating on the 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 score, not hating, but he was just saying that it was the same beats over and over again. I was like, I can see that, but guess what? When those for me, when those beats are that well 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 done and tie the scene together, give me bum 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 over and over again. I will listen to it and love it. <laughs> so again, yeah, maybe no, I'm a simple person. I liked it. To me, it didn't feel like the same thing over and over again. Obviously, I could recognize that there was repetition, but it felt different every time it it happened and i also mm -hmm. felt that there was hints of other themes obviously i think most people have worked out that the empire strikes back was he heavily part of its influence but also mm -hmm. i felt like the original batman theme from 89 kind of shines through at points and i'll yeah. be honest i actually thought that what we were hearing was a really broken version of the 89 theme and that as the film went on it would start coming through and that the end shot would give us the actual batman theme obviously that didn't happen but that's sure. kind of where i was at when i was in the cinema and obviously by the time we got about halfway through i realized oh no it's it's not it's it's its own thing but that was really where i thought they were going with that because there's certain musical cues that i can't help but associate with that theme and mm -hmm. it's not the music's fault but that theme is so iconic you know Yep, I totally get that. Um, and yeah, yeah, you're right. There's times where the the Batman theme takes different different speeds, different uh, tempos. Like uh, the the car chase, the Batman theme speeds up quite a bit because it's playing along with the actual theme. You know, the chase itself. So you feel that that uh, that energy in the music, and uh, that car chase is actually, in my opinion, one of the better more interesting car chases we've gotten in a Batman movie. Cause it's very, I, I like the way the cameras are in turn set up. I like that. You don't see big wide sweeping shots. I know that's weird for an action guy to say or action fan to say, but it just, it made it, it made it different and it made it unique. And it really just focused on Batman and penguin, you know, in this chase. And it felt very like you're inside the car watching them. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm quite happy to talk about that car chase because I loved that sequence in general. And also we can use it to swap over to talking about the action as opposed mm -hmm. to the story. Um, I absolutely loved that scene. It When I rewatched it, it was a bit ridiculous how that scene starts um, because he gives way too much time for the penguin to like get into his car and run away. <laughs> when in reality, he could have just stopped that whole scene before it started. But that nitpick aside, I absolutely love the Batmobile and I thought I would hate it like when it was shown off in the concept it just looked like a car with a souped up engine and it is just a car with a souped up engine but I love the way that they made the car look monstrous which is because it was inspired by the actual monster car film <laughs> and, uh, so the car was based on Stephen King's Christine which is why it has the red at the front so it looks oh. like the car is coming to life and when I was in the cinema i don't know about you but i was deafened by the sound of that engine coming up and everyone in the cinema you, you could feel them like oh yeah this is going to be good and then when the fire roared out the back which immediately makes you think of the original batmobile from the 66 series i was like yeah the, the this batmobile whoever filmed this particular sequence and did those shots knew what they were doing it, it evokes so many different thoughts memories nostalgia but also just that's a car. <laughs> no, not only that, it's a kick-ass car. 
Um, yeah, our theater, when it revved, everybody like kind of braced themselves. And when the fire shot out, we all cheered. Like it was a lot of cheering in my viewing, which was opening night. It was, it was, yeah. And yes, it is comically long that he revs it up and lets Penguin get in his car. It's almost like he's tempting Penguin to get in the car and drive away. Yep. <laughs> and then he's like, all right, we're doing this. And he takes off afterwards. So, um, yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of it. Might be my favorite Batmobile we've seen. Um, just because, like you said, it makes sense in this world. And it just it looks and sounds cool. Like, there's no way you can't tell me they didn't put some lion roar along with that engine rev to make it sound just a little more vicious than it could have been just a regular engine rev. Sounded yeah. awesome. And, and I agree with you. The actual chase scene is great. It's shot so well. And it really breaks up the film because it's the only one. Yes, mm -hmm. there are a couple of points where he drives the car. And for, for most of the film, he's on a motorbike or he's just appearing out of the shadows. But the fact that they give us this really nice, well-paced shot car sequence that has some really interesting set pieces, like when Penguin causes the trucks to crash into each other and then he starts celebrating because he thinks he's won. That shot of the Batmobile coming out covered in flames with the red light and penguins just like what and then you get that amazing shot that was in every single trailer where he clips the back of penguin and he goes somersaulting over in the car and the camera goes with it and then you get the upside down shot of the batman stomping his way towards him in his big boots mm -hmm. it's just yeah uh, you can't i don't see how anyone can dislike that you know i would agree yeah if you don't have a pulse, that's maybe the way you could dislike that, that scene because it gets everything revving. And from the the moment, like you had mentioned early on, the first fight scene where he, he just decimates that thug, that Joker goon, and then we're just going to start calling them Joker goons from this point forward just to get that. Out. <laughs> but then the, how he fights the whole the whole the whole group. Um, it, it's cool because it's not overly stylized like it makes sense like he's got this suit on as much as i love seeing batman do martial arts and stuff when you're fighting people like that you're not going to throw a lot of high spinny kicks you're just not going to no and i like the way they did it when he did kick it made sense it looked powerful um the action was filmed and edited well i guess again we're sometimes victims of our own making because we always talk about action being filmed and edited well and it's like well did it, did, did it make it feel feel something because just because you can see something doesn't mean it's it's how the fight scene should look because sometimes it a fight scene like the first uh first nolan movie well i, I would have loved to see more clear action i like his stylistic of you can't see what batman's doing because he's so much more trained than the guys that he's fighting and then towards the end when he's fighting Roz, it's a little more pulled back and you can see a little more of what they're doing yeah that's fair it's not perfect i would have still like i said liked to see more i thought this was framed well i liked um how different people fought differently like bruce fought differently than um say selena because she was throwing a lot more kicks which makes sense yep um and again it plays into the uh comic book uh ties to that character their first fight in batman year one She's spinning, you know, she's kicking him and he's blocking and stuff like that. So I, I like the callbacks to the comics. Definitely showed that Reeves did his 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 Batman homework um, to give us iconic shots. And then 
just kind of th- the fights were spread throughout and paced well. Like they weren't overly long. They weren't overly short. And it seemed like whenever there was a cool, whenever a fight scene was needed, they, they, they showed up and they didn't overstay their welcome. And they yeah. weren't one after the other where you're like, all right, I've seen this a couple of times. Let's move on to something else. Yeah. Like I said, I thought the, the car chase sequence was perfectly placed to break up the handful of fight scenes and the dialogue scenes that we'd had. But when we did have hand-to-hand combat scenes, I agree with you. It was framed well. You could see what was happening. Uh, there wasn't any shaky cam. It was edited well. And the people performing it clearly knew what they were doing. I also agree with you that, for me, they nailed how Batman should fight, especially given that he's only been doing this for a couple of years at this point. Um, I think my dad, uh, when me and him, because Batman's his favorite character, and he nailed, for me, uh, what Batman is when it comes to fighting. Batman's the guy that has dabbled in every martial art on the planet, Depending on how comic booky you want to get, you could argue he's mastered it, but that is getting a bit comic booky because realistically that's impossible. We won't go into that. Um, but <laughs> he knows so many different styles of fighting, but has nailed it down to I could perform this really flashy, spinny, jumpy kick, or I could just headbutt him. And I've been in enough fights to know which one is more likely to work. And that's what, in my opinion, makes Batman so different from so many of the other DC best fighters is yes he has the martial arts skill but he's got enough street fight in him to know what to use and when to use it and like you said in this film he's not roundhouse kicking every single thug that comes at him but he does do it occasionally and he's that big and imposing that yeah getting kicked in the face by him would send you to the ground and you'd probably be out (laughs) Mm -hmm. um right i really liked the other characters, although they don't necessarily have hand-to-hand fights, the Penguin being a prime example is I love the gunplay work that they did. He has this, you know, this Uzi, this short submachine gun, but it feels deadly. It doesn't feel like he's just spraying and it's not like an action film where the bullets go everywhere except their targets. You know, he shoots Batman uh, and puts Batman down for a bit before the Batmobile chase and... The guns feel dangerous. The heroes don't feel bulletproof, which does bring me to an issue that I'll get to. But Selena, especially, she has to really work to get away from enemies with guns, like the regular goons, because, yeah, they're all actually dangerous. People with guns are dangerous. They're not just minor inconveniences in this film. And I really like the way that any sequence with a gun that was shot made them look powerful and dangerous. Like I say, Penguin he is imposing and powerful when he has a gun. The second he doesn't, his whole personality changes and he's like, nope, I'm out. But uh, (laughs) that does also kind of lead me into my main problem with the film, which is that they do literally make Batman bulletproof. And that drove Mm -hmm. me insane because he was taking like three machine guns at one point, practically point blank shooting him in the chest. And he's like, yeah, I don't even feel it, bro. You know, and I'm just like, (laughs) kind of, I'm kind of really struggling with that. <laughs> I struggled with it too, but I also start thinking to myself, this isn't the Batman that we, he's not the fully realized Batman yet. He's still two years. So I actually think in future movies, we'll see a Bruce Wayne that doesn't get shot as much because he's anticipating that. And, you know, 
working around those type of things. In this one, he's just a tank that's walking straight forward and nothing's going to stop him. And he realizes towards the end, I think, that's not how I can continue to be Batman. So, again, there was like there was some ridiculousness in the amount of shots that he was taking point blank <laughs> with, you know, yeah. but I also, I also think that it will come into play later where we see him ad- ad- uh, adapting to that and learning and being, becoming a better Batman as he goes, as he goes along. No, I, I agree. Like it's not so much that he could take bullets in the bat suit. That was fine. It was the fact that he was literally taking multiple magazines worth of bullets at one point and you're just like (laughs) well if he's that bulletproof why does he bother to hide like you say he could literally just walk straight at a whole army and just be like yeah your bullets don't touch me just don't shoot me in my clearly exposed face and we'll be fine (laughs) and uh but other than that i i really enjoyed all the fights i actually really like the scene where he gets shot because I love the way that it's pitch black and you can only see what's going on to the muzzle flashes. It just really winds me up that, like you say, instead of it being this really cool shot of him taking people out in the darkness, they're shooting him. And it's like, he's just not reacting to it. Like there's not even any pain, you know? (laughs) Right. When clearly later he gets shot with a shotgun point blank and he's, and he's gets knocked out almost by it. So yeah. Um, so yeah, that, like I said, that's just a, a minor gripe. But when we're specifically talking about the action scenes, that does stand out to me at least, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, other definitely. than that, I I really liked them. And yeah, that end sequence where he's up against the Riddler c- clones, for want of a better word, um, I really liked that. There was a lot of variety on display there. You got a lot of disaster elements with the flooding and all the, the explosions. And I love his entrance with the pyrotechnics. But I. Yep. It was just one of those things where I, I also really liked the amount of times that Gordon got to do stuff other than just be the crime solver. He had plenty of action scenes and in inverted commas himself. Uh, there were a few times when I thought the film just kind of hoped you wouldn't notice how long he was missing before they brought him back into frame. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it felt like it took him a long time to get to places at points. Right? It's like they were right next to each other. And then it was like he decided to go off for lunch before coming to help, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I did like the fact that they gave him a lot of uh, shootouts and he wasn't ever portrayed as being useless without Batman. He, he was more than capable of getting the job done. He was just uh, undermanned and outgunned a lot of the time. Um, do you want to talk about some of the stuff you, you, you hope to see in future Batman movies from this fr- uh, franchise? Sure. Sure. So first off, kind of like what we were talking about, I want to see a more an evolving Batman that kind of views things differently, maybe changes his suit for certain reasons. I don't want to just... That worked well with Bale's Batman that he wanted to turn his head and stuff. I like this this Batman suit, but I'd like to see some more like the bat symbol being used as a, you know, gadget. I'd like I kind of want to see more of that stuff being incorporated in in terms of stories. Honestly, this this Gotham they gave us, I think the Court of Owls would be an absolutely wonderful villain addition because it's not because it's the whole history of Gotham can be at play with this as well as a cool looking villain and like their hench person the Talon um, yes. so I would really like to see them as uh, one of the the bads and like I said when they are about to wrap this up 
that's when I'd like to see this Joker come into play. I don't need him before that. I think it'd be a cool ending for this series, however long it's going to be. That's where I think Joker should come into play because I think as soon as you bring Joker in, any villain after that, it's just like, well, Batman's beaten his the yin to his yang. This guy, should, this this next villain, he or 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 she should not pose that big of a threat to Batman. Yeah, that that is a a fair comment. I mean, I've always been of the opinion that although Joker's the strongest, any of the villains can definitely pose a threat, even if they come Mm -hmm. after the Joker. But I I agree with you. I think saving Joker to the end would be good. For me, the first character that I hope we see more of is Alfred, because I actually liked Mm. the fact that he was integral to helping solve the ciphers. And they hinted at the fact that he's the one that taught Bruce to fight in this version, which actually lines up with a different version of Alfred from a different animated show that I think was just called, no, it was called Beware the Batman. And in that version, mm-hmm. Alfred was like this Cockney uh, secret agent, which is uh, Alfred's history. He was MI6, mm-hmm. but I think as time's gone on, they've changed what he did. You know, I think originally he was like intelligence <laughs> and gathering and they wanted him to be this old fashioned upper class Englishman. And now they're realizing MI6, you know, people have seen spooks. They know what real spies actually do and that, you know, they're right. assassins, basically, as well as intelligence mm-hmm. gatherers. And that version of Alfred could be pretty cool to see. Um, I would like to see more from from Alfred. Uh, I, I I'm not the biggest fan of the Gotham television series, but I did like their version of Alfred when they allowed him to be that version. Um, I thought that Sean Pertwee played him really well. It's just a mm-hmm. shame that a lot of the time the writing kind of just kept finding excuses for him to not win. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> yes, uh, there's actually a comic book series called Batman Earth One, and there's a series of like um, hardcore, uh, hardcover graphic uh, graphic novels and that Batman or that Alfred is the former SAS guy who taught Bruce how to fight, who wields a uh, a shotgun, who laughs at Bruce when he gets shot because he says, aren't you supposed to be able to dodge bullets now? So that kind of more rough and tumble Alfred. I kind of like that, too. So and but I, I like that Andy Circus played it, that there's this deep history to it. But he's this is the Alfred he is now. And this is the Alfred who's the you know the smart See, british but the thing is, is michael kane actually did the same thing is he his alfred had a lot of uh references to his past like especially in the dark knight where he mm-hmm. tells him of some of the not so good stuff he did in his past and it really annoyed me that in rises they kind of forgot about that like they were yeah. building this up and then they just abandoned it and yeah, I, I really don't like that version of Alfred in Rises, but that's a, a completely different rant. But as for what I would like to see next, I've heard that Matt Reeves would like to do a version of Mr. Freeze. If that's the direction they go, I'd be totally fine with that because as much as I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, there's no way they can do him any worse. Um, yep, 100%. But I personally agree with you that the Court of Owls actually makes the most sense purely because they've kind of sort of already kind of started doing the storyline with the storyline of what they did in this film with the Riddler finding 
holes and inconsistencies with the history of Gotham, the Arkhams not necessarily being the big family they were supposed to be, the Waynes not being perfect. And if the Court of Owls was the next storyline, you could easily build upon that as they obviously have been manipulating events from long before Batman or the Waynes or even the Arkhams were around. You know, they go back to Gotham being formed and I agree that the Talon would be a great adversary for a Batman that hasn't really had to deal with someone that can match him because Mm -hmm. as much as I would love to see a version of Bane done correctly, who I also think is a potential upcoming villain, and I'll go into why in a second, I think Talon would make the most sense. I I think Court of Owls would also be a good follow-on, but I don't know if they would be too similar to what they did with the Riddler because a lot of the court, not Talon specifically, would give him a mental challenge and you could do a lot of hallucinogenic, uh, completely out there mind stuff where you could just go crazy with it. But the other reason why I think we might be seeing Bane in the future, and I think I'm, I'm alone in this one, but I am convinced that at the end, when Batman has taken shotgun to the chest, but then Selina is in trouble, he takes something out of his utility belt and it is a green liquid and he puts it in himself and suddenly he gets very angry, doesn't seem to feel pain anymore and roids out and beats the crap out of that dude. And I literally <laughs> remember saying that he that's Venom. He just took Venom. It looks like Venom. It has all the side effects of Venom. If that's not them preparing for the idea that Bane could show up and actually be the proper Bane, then that's a very, very weird, freaky coincidence. Oh, that is an excellent point, and I meant to bring that up. I had it in my notes, and I totally skipped over it. You're right. There's there's precedence here of some sort of Venom-like thing that... And how cool would it be if, if Bane... If maybe he discovered that on his travels, and he came back as Batman, and now, you know... And then that's how we can bring Bane into this world, and more comic book accurate and not like he has to look like it, but in terms of, like you said, Bane's skill set and Bane's intelligence has to be that of somebody who could find out who Batman is, break into his lair and break his back. (laughs) Yeah. Cause obviously again, because the Venom aspect of Bane wasn't a thing in Dark Knight Rises, a lot of people don't realize that Bane didn't, by Venom. Bane isn't supplied Venom. He makes Venom. He is a super smart chemist. He is ridiculously intelligent with the sciences, as well as being this massive, I don't know, seven foot tall behemoth that is, you know, pure muscles and can outfight Batman. There aren't many people in the whole of DC Comics that can hold a candle to Bane when he's written well. There are plenty of times he's been defeated way too easily due to bad writing. But when he's in his element, he is the man that can break the bat. You know, it's just mm-hmm. he would fit perfectly. I just don't know if they would go in that direction, you know. Right. One more thing I'd like to add on what I want to see, because given my previous statements, I would be totally remiss if I didn't say Dick Grayson show up. <laughs> and I think if they do the whole... <sighs> Court of Owls thing, it could be done right because, again, in that storyline, I won't spoil it for people because it's still great to read, but Dick Grayson plays a part in the the Court of Owls plans, so to speak. The problem with Dick Grayson or or introducing any of the sidekicks in the live action is 
I don't know how you would do it and actually make it work in inverted commas where you wouldn't end up in the same problem that Batman Forever and Batman and Robin had, which is that Robin would already have to be an adult. And that while that can work, it kind of takes away from what makes Batman and Robin special, which is that he's a kid. But then if right. he's a kid, you've got to give him a couple films to be old enough to be Nightwing. And it's like, you could have him just be Nightwing from the word go, but that ain't going to work here because Batman's only been around for two years, you know? Right. But otherwise, yeah, that would be cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and may maybe they do that. Maybe it is a slow, uh, slow burn on Robin where he's adopted in the next movie and he doesn't even really know Batman. Maybe at the end he finds out Bruce Wayne's Batman. You know what I mean? Type of thing. And then yeah. the next movie could take, could be a couple years later and he's a teenager and teenagers, you know, in movies we see some interesting things. So maybe he's just, you know, in him being um, an acrobat, he already has the uh, proclivity to do certain things like certain spinny kicks, which can cause more damage than just punching. So it's possible, but oh, like yeah, I said, it, my, my, uh, my Dick Grayson fan card would have been like taken away from me if I didn't at least mention that I want to see him in this universe. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of directions that they can go. Cause obviously, you know, you've got Gordon, which means Barbara Gordon could also be a thing in the next film. Um, again, right. she doesn't have to become Batgirl, but she could easily be around. And these days, there are so many other Bat-type characters that there are lots of directions they could go in. And I suspect there will be a temptation to bring in some of the lesser-known characters, partly because they're lesser-known, but also partly because it will allow them to sort of go, look, we've brought this character in. And uh, I, I don't know if I want to see all of the massive Bat family, because once you get the Bat family, it does kind of take away from the whole, I'm a emo kid alone in my garage fighting crime. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a shame too, because I would love to see Red Hood, but uh, try to get to him, we have to go through a lot of stuff that I don't think there's you a can lot really... of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I too would like that as well, but maybe, yeah, maybe not in this universe. Maybe if the next Batman has already been, when they do it, he's established and he's had the history of Robins. It's possible, but that doesn't seem to be the way movie universes go because you have to es establish things. Well, the really depressing thing is I'm pretty confident that, that we did already have that and it was your mate, Affleck, because his Robin yeah, had point. already been killed and in deleted scenes, it was the Joker that did it. Because um, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know you if you know all this, cool um but i don't know if the audience don't know this in in a lot of deleted scenes between the various different films that exist none of which was a batman film they were supposed to originally show basically the the origin of why ben affleck's batman lives in a weird house that isn't wayne mansion and why the robin suit is in the glass but also why jared leto's joker has false teeth and doesn't have a smile and has the smile on the tattoo. The answer to all of that is because he killed, burnt down Wayne Manor when he was fighting the Batman and the Bruce got so angry that he literally beat Joker to the point that he knocked out all of his teeth and crippled his face. So he barely has any facial expressions left. Oh, I honestly didn't even read that. Yeah. And that's why the Joker has a smile tattoo because that's how he smiles now. 
And again, some of this stuff makes sense when you find out the stuff that was was filmed. Like this isn't just like random creative ideas. Some of this stuff was actually filmed. But again, through just a lot of studio interference and arguments and reshoots, because I think some of that was supposed to be in the Suicide Squad. The Sorry, Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad. Jesus. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they massively kept changing everything because they couldn't find a formula that worked. And it's like trying to find a formula is what's making it not work. <laughs> you need to just let every film be individual. They can be connected. They don't have to feel the same. That round aside. The only other thing I would like your opinion on from this, The Batman, is... There are obviously we were I already mentioned the bulletproof scene, but I'm curious what your thoughts were on the he believes he can fly scene, uh, where he squirrel dives and doesn't have, shall we say, the softest landing. I I I like the scene up till the landing, because I was like, as somebody who doesn't like heights, um see you know, and I liked the practical nature of zipping it up and having an actual squirrel suit, but there's a part of me like, we should have seen him having to nurse some wounds after that because he hit hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. As there's a lot of people have pointed out, there is two times in this film when he definitely died. And uh, <laughs> that's that's one of them. And the other one is there aren't many people that can survive standing next to an explosion going off in your face. That's true. I didn't even think of that till you just mentioned it. But yeah. And, and, and the thing is, is like uh, he puts his arms up to block the blast and yeah, again, I can forgive that because it's comic book it's comic book logic. You can survive explosions if you're the hero, but a lot of people have pointed out like, yes, he might have deflected the heat in the explosion that would have damaged his face, but the shock wave and the distance he flew across that room, his organs would have suffered damage. Like there's no way he wasn't going directly to a hospital after that. <laughs> That's right. And the same thing very Same true. thing ultimately applies to his not so great landing of a skydive, which, you know, he smacks his head on the bridge, then into the bus, then just does this roly poly of bone breaking damage. And I, I don't know what his bat suit is made out of, but he needs to mass produce that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You could. Yeah. The Wayne uh, Wayne Enterprises could make even more money by <laughs> putting that out for everybody to use. But I think we have naturally brought this uh, conversation to a close. I, I'm very excited to see what the next Batman film has in store. My only fear, and I don't know if you know this, but they've announced that they're gonna be, there's going to be a HBO show about some of the characters from the Batman, mm -hmm. like more than one. My only concern is that they're going to oversaturate it. They're going to try and give everyone their own little mini show, and I think yeah. people will get tired of it, and people won't want to watch it and won't care about it because that's kind of already happening with the mcu like even if people like it they don't want to have to watch 20 different shows to enjoy the next film you know right. i would agree wholeheartedly um i think certain characters could benefit from a show um i honestly think the gotham pd in this universe it's so corrupt that could be interesting but it's also it's like I kind of want to save Gordon for the movies and I want him doing like cool. You know, I, I don't necessarily want to see Jim Gordon doing just regular procedural stuff. You know what I mean? After we've seen him partner with Batman, 
I I would take it because Jeffrey Wright's a great actor. But uh, I yeah, think there's... I think for me, if they well they are doing that, but right. I think the way that they would make that work for me is that's when he needs Harvey Bullock as his partner. Mm-hmm. That's how you make that story work. They have that they have to feel each other out and go through all of their buddy cup drama in their own little show. And then when you have the next film, you've already got Harvey introduced and then him and Batman can have their issues and you don't have to try and balance out all three of them getting to know one another. Okay. I've done a complete 180 on that and I'm with you on that 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But the problem is that doesn't mean that they'll actually do that. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I'm saying if they in turn do that, and you're right, then yes, I will completely backpedal. And I am not afraid to do that. I've done it my whole life. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I'm right in saying that they're also doing an Arkham Asylum show, right? I I thought it was a Penguin show. Oh, okay. Maybe it's a Penguin show. I, I don't know. That's what I mean. There's so many things that they keep talking about doing. I'm sure that someone said yeah. they're doing an Arkham something. I thought other. I remember hearing that too. You're right. And maybe that's playing into the Penguin thing because maybe he's, you know, some of it takes place in Ar- in Arkham because he's, you know, Possibly. been captured or get out. Who knows? We'll find out when we get official word. But you're right. There is the the worry of oversaturating this world and it becomes less special when it's not just a big tentpole movie and you have so much other so much access to this world as opposed to making people wait to see it on a bigger stage. Yeah. And on that bombshell, we're going to end it here. Thank you very much to Andy for joining me. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. I know it was a bit of a, a mix of all things Batman, but that's kind of why we wanted to talk about it. And hopefully you guys had fun. And uh, I know every man and his dog has already spoke about the Batman. So what's a couple more voices in the ocean? Right. What's a couple more? And if you need some more, check out Chris Barreras and Rob Antiquera's uh, Letterboxd reviews because they are kind of falling on our, our camp and they write about it way more eloquently than I could ever speak. So check those out. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> right. I shall hand you back over to myself to tell you what's going to be coming next week. All right. There you go. That is the Batman. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I can't offer you any insights on the conversation because uh, I haven't edited it yet. So I am recording this outro before editing, which is not what I normally do. But I can tell you what's going to be coming next week. Next week, we're going to see the return of Matthew Essery. And he is the man that gave us such an excellent breakdown on all things Indian cinema. He is returning to talk about something completely different in the form of Guyver dark hero and uh, if you're familiar with that film then you'll know it is very different to the last film we discussed and i think it's safe to say that we kind of reverse roles a little bit as we ended up going on a bit of a longer discussion about tokusatsu in general sentai kamen rider gaiva and uh, maybe even mentioned the power rangers ever so briefly and some of the american adaptations as the creators have a bit of a connection to that so look forward to that episode and i hope that you guys will enjoy it but in the meantime i will see you in the next one thank you very much for listening all the way to the end stay safe and i will see you all soon on the action at its podcast